Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Huh, that sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hello, everybody. It is the Road to World Football Show. It is our Week 17 recap. I am Patrick Darty, joined this week by Kyle Dvorak, where we are going to do things a little differently than we normally do on a recap show. Instead of a spin through the entire Road to World gang, Kyle and I are going to take a spin through the entire Sunday game gang. I didn't pull that segue off, Kyle. But yeah, we're going to just hit on all the biggest storylines from New Year's Eve, a day of football, a lot of surprising results, a lot of unfortunate injuries. Kyle, um, we had a little bit of both in the Ravens. 56-19 to 19 victory over the Dolphins, where the Dolphins really like laying these eggs in these big games, don't <laughs> they? Uh, really, really like it. And Lamar Jackson really, really likes probably sewing up the MVP award. Uh, Raheem Mostert does not play. Tyreek Hill kind of in and out of the game. Um, but he, he finished the game, though, correct, Kyle? Um, are there any other big injuries in this game? I mean, the, the takeaway is just... The, the big number that hits you over the head, 56 to 19 for Baltimore. Yeah, I didn't see any other big injuries. I thought it was more than a bit strange that Raheem Mostert didn't play because he got essentially the same practice regiment that he got last week. He played last week and saw the bulk of the carries. But then there were reports that like, yeah, he does this a lot where he doesn't practice. He's banged up and he comes through. And just doesn't always happen. So, like, yeah, you I found it a bit strange. Coach Mike McDaniel said, exactly, not, yeah, he wasn't calling out the player, but he he just said it was the first time that his his knee basically had not responded that that regiment. So the Dolphins were just as surprised as fantasy managers. And with this loss, the Dolphins will you know quote have to play next week. I don't. I think maybe there was like one or two off scenarios in which they didn't have to play. I think it was like a loss here, but also a Bills loss functionally locked them into the spot they were going to be in. But now they are actually playing the Bills next week with the the what are they the AFC East on the line? Extremely high stakes, and AFC East is on the line. The Dolphins get the number two seed if they win. The Bills would not get the number two seed if they win. No, because there's a, a few teams like the I think the Chiefs are up there with them and one other team as well. So they would jump to the top four seeds, though, because the top four divisions all get the top four seeds, regardless of record of the wild card teams. So yeah, there's so much on the line for Miami, though. They they want a home playoff game in the wild card round. They, they would have been a home playoff game in the divisional round three years ago, of course, before we changed the format. But I mean, how do we feel about them heading in this game? We'll get to the Bills in a minute, but are the Dolphins, are they just like leaking too much oil right now? Uh, I mean, there are a lot of injuries really banged up on defense. Xavier Howard carded in this game. Jalen Ramsey seems like he's nowhere close to 100%. 
Bradley Chubb, I think, got hurt as well. He did. It, it like sounds like an injury. ACL. As it well. seemed bad, yeah. Um, so I don't, the Dolphins are leaking oil at the exact wrong time. and uh, But, I mean, we're, Devin Achan in a GPP week 18. Uh, <laughs> I know. I mean, they, you know, it sounds funny, but, like, oh, they've got Tua, the one of maybe the three best offensive minds. Achan, one of the most unique, skilled running backs in the NFL. And, of course, Tyreek Hill, who's probably just the best wide receiver in the NFL, and a prayer, as if those things aren't like the prayers have already been answered. So I, I still give them more than a fighting chance to win their upcoming game and make a run in the playoffs. They'll also be without Waddle, likely, next week. He looks more like a return to the playoffs, not a return in the regular season. But, like, just with that core alone, even if the defense is and it will be banged up, I still give them a good shot. I think in terms of scoring, they can go toe-to-toe with most teams. They didn't really do so this week, though the Ravens' defense, to me, is a top-two unit in the NFL, essentially. I think they go toe-to-toe with the Bills next week, but can they come away with the win? A month ago, I would have felt pretty good. Like, oh, man, they're just you know the Death Star. They're like up there with the 49ers, and we called them the Death Star teams. They're not that team right now, I don't think. They're not. The Ravens suffered some defensive injuries today, by the way. Two teams you're going to have to keep it locked to rotorworld.com during the week. We would be remiss. We didn't mention Ravens it. locked up the bye, too. So they get next week off, the week after that off. So like, unless they're season-ending injuries, they should be all right. We buried the lead that Tua re-injured his non-throwing shoulder, by the way. I can't imagine any scenario in which he does not play against the Bills. But, Kyle, you also didn't mention that in week four, uh, the Bills beat the Dolphins 48 to 20. Um, oh my God, that's only, right. Yeah, only, only see, we needed to get over that. We needed we needed to have the the Broncos game under our belt, which like the first or second week, and then we needed a few weeks after the Bills. At which point, we're like, oh, the Dolphins are back, and they have since unbacked themselves. So yeah, as you mentioned, really nothing to talk about the Ravens. We will talk about them this week still on our preview pod, but I mean, I think the only storyline, Lamar. I mean, it's so silly the way we talk about the MVP in the NFL. Obviously, where every Sunday it's like, oh, it's totally changed. But uh, I mean, Lamar who. Probably won't even play in week 18. Hard to believe he did not lock up the most valuable player award this afternoon. With all year, you know, he they've been they've been, he's been the engine of the best team in the NFL, but he hadn't been having like spiked weeks in fantasy. Like he had some, but not like in the past. Today was like the signature Lamar spiked week mm-hmm. we've come to expect the past five years. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's uh, shooing to get the MVP. He was already the favorite heading into this week, and what was it, five touchdowns? This was like vintage 2019, it which was. was MVP Lamar, where you look at his numbers and you're like, those don't make sense. They don't add up. The last I checked, he had 21 attempts for 320-some-odd yards and five touchdowns. Like The math on that shouldn't allow that to be yeah. a thing. And we probably could have seen more games like that or maybe more rushing production from him, specifically in the touchdown department, if Gus Edwards didn't have, let's say, like a dozen touchdowns this year. Whereas you look at a very similar scoring team in the Eagles, except every one of their touchdowns inside the five goes to the quarterback, making, you know, it didn't matter too much for his MVP case this year. But if Lamar just has those rushing touchdowns, which his team had, they just didn't give to him, we maybe talk about this as not like, oh, this is one of the more bland MVP seasons. He made the offense go. Like you said, he's the engine. They just put someone in. They put in a closer at the end of drives. And Gus is good. He deserves to be the closer because it works. So we mentioned, uh, we didn't mention, we talked a lot about the Bills already, but they, I don't know, what would you say they did to the Patriots? Outlasted them? Yeah, uh, checks out. They weren't really losing ever, but they uh, weren't winning. <laughs> this is did one of those did they go down early to a like punt return or kick six? I think Jalen Rager. Uh, I believe began the game. I think that was the first score of the game. That's why I'm asking. They they did take a little bit of an L to start the game. The first 12 seconds of the game were taken up by a Jalen Rager 98-yard kickoff return touchdown. My Lord. uh, The Bills, though, got a field goal two and a half minutes later. They took the lead 
at the six and a half minute mark of the first quarter and did not relinquish it, but it was, wasn't a good game. At one point, I believe Josh Allen was one of eight. He finishes the game only 15 of 30, 169 scoreless yards. The Steph Diggs slump deepens. Gabe Davis, only two catchers, 20, 21 yards. Dawson Knox was injured. That's a big takeaway this game, which immediately unlocked Dalton Kincaid for four catches for 87 yards. But just another team. Like, I don't, I don't, I just don't even know what is the identity of this Bills team. And, uh, yeah, I'm just going to filibuster on the Bills until you say something about the Bills. Yeah, I mean, they, they're going to enter next week banged up. This is from Eric Smolsky. A lot of the notes I have, I'll try and shout out the, the writer because I hit them all up for the inside scoop. Injuries are going to be the story of this game. Uh, Josh Allen banged his shoulder. I think it was the one he was dealing with an injury previously this season. Didn't cost him any time, but he was on the injury report pretty consistently with the shoulder thing. Banged that shoulder on, I think, getting knocked out of bounds at essentially the end of the game. First down, killed the clock, if I remember correctly. And we'll have to watch that. Another one. You like talk about quarterbacks playing in must win games at the end of the season. Both shoulder injuries, actually, too, with Tua. You got to think they are just playing through it because these dudes are warriors. Like, you think about, like, aren't they hurt? Yeah, they're hurt. They're not like you and I. Like, I, Pat, you, you get sick from your kids and you say, I'm going to tough through it. <laughs> Tua, like, dislocates a shoulder. And he's like, I'm playing through it. And so does Josh Allen. So he's, I have to imagine, going to play. Diggs also played sparsely if not at all in the second half but there's been no update on if he's injured it's gonna be the ultimate in february oh yeah he's getting two surgeries yeah two injuries we didn't know about and somehow was not on the injury report with either of these but it's also somehow not technically a violation of nfl 100 100 uh and dude dude, we know these are athletes we know it's just a game but you hit on a really the physical courage of these players is just for our entertainment it really is just staggering the stuff they play through and go through and shouts to all NFL players uh, for the enjoyment they provide us, uh, except for the Patriots. They don't really provide us any enjoyment right now. Anything at all to say in the Pats? We need an even number of teams though. So I do respect <laughs> them for like, it'd be weird if we had 31 teams, the math wouldn't work out. So I do appreciate that they're out here helping us out. Dude, I think Devontae Parker got hurt again in this game. He did. Guy. Man, that guy seriously is, he's like getting near, He's like one, you know, one of those like veteran, like thirty-five-year-old quarterbacks. Where like, when they start a game, you know they're getting injured. You just don't know what it's going to be. Correct. And he, he is on those big-bodied receivers. This he's big, so but poorly. he's not like super dense. He's not super like you know built to where I don't you know I'm just speculating, but it doesn't seem like he can take a ton of these hits. And he goes up like lays out. He does that like Mike Williams. Like dude loves to open his body up shots. He That's does. Just a style. Just a style of plays. He's a good jump ball getter, but that leaves you open to big hits. And then he goes a rib injury too, which you like make the joke all the time that Mike Williams loves landing on his ribs. I don't know if he landed on him or got hit, but like just can't stay healthy. And he got a good contract. I think it was his past off season, if not one more before that. Like when he's out there, I don't want to say he produces a ton, but he looks like he could be a team's good number three receiver. Just can't stay healthy. He could be a really good role player. Yeah, and a better offense. And yeah, I wish I loved anything as much as Mike Williams. And Devontae Barker love landing directly on their back. Like they land like full, almost like they're planking. Yeah. Like it, I've never seen anything like it, especially for Mike Williams. The Patriots wrap up the season in week 18 against the New York Jets. Quite possibly Bill Belichick's final game as Patriots head coach. Next game, Bears 37, Falcons 17. This is one I had just nothing doing from the Atlanta Falcons. A pitiful effort, kind of one that I think. I think Arthur Smith was already on the way out the door, mm-hmm. but I, we know Falcons management is seeing the same thing. The fantasy managers are seeing what Falcons fans are seeing. It's 10 targets for Drake London, but he can only catch four passes because they're of such low quality. They can't one catch on five targets for Kyle Pitts. They can't get him involved. 
Bijan does out-touch Tyler Algier 18-6, but of course Tyler Algier gets the 75-yard screen touchdown on his lone target. How, how was that play? Like, I didn't see this play yet. Was it, uh, what was it like? Just describe it to me. It, it was, so it was, a, it was almost like a jailbreak type screen where it, it was very like, uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? It was low margin for error. Like it was a high wire type play, and it was a good play pass from Taylor Heineke, who had not a second to spare. It, the Bears had almost totally collapsed it, but it was a real narrow angle, and Tyler Algier got the angle, got the corner, and then somehow outran a bunch of dudes on en route to that. There was some bad tackling from the Bears, <laughs> but it was one of those screens, like one of those Ryan Tannehill screens. It was almost a 13 yard loss. More almost like a fumble six, yeah, but they, yeah. they executed it perfectly. And he got the 75-yard tutter. But, yeah, you, you couldn't watch this game and really escape the feeling that, well, Art Smith's not going to be back next year. There's this Yeah, like a few weeks ago. I assume this loss eliminated them from the playoff hunt because they were it somehow does not. No it's way. Absolutely stunning. They are, uh, I believe they're seven and what are they? Uh, it somehow doesn't. I think they're seven and nine. But they can win the division eight nine. They have like a seventeen percent chance to win the division. Sometimes. I mean, that's impressive. Do you, so, like, I guess the looming question for me, the, my that was supposed to preface the idea that once they're eliminated from playoff contention, you can't hang your hat on anything for Arthur Smith. Because I think there are a lot of coaches that sneak into the playoffs, whether or not, like, like you know, Ron Rivera. I think it was his first season snuck into the playoffs with a seven win team. Obviously, he, I don't want to say he's coasted on that, but it certainly has helped. He threw one of those on his resume early and has been quite poor since. You'd think maybe Arthur Smith could get away with that as well because we haven't gotten the entire, like Ron Rivera, they've told us, like, we're exploring all options. You know, we know. (laughs) We know what that means. We haven't gotten that kind of rhetoric with Arthur Smith yet. If they make the playoffs, maybe there's margin for error that he can hang on for one more week. This doesn't technically eliminate them, though, like you said, it it puts them in a a long-shot situation. Yeah, via the New York Times playoff simulator, the Falcons have a 17% chance of making the playoffs, which, of course, in this case, means a 17% chance of winning the NFC South. They do play the Saints. So they beat the Saints, and I guess the Bucs... Lose, have to be playing with Panthers. Panthers. Correct. Which, yep. it, it, it sets up with uh, not that the Panthers really factor in this, but it does set up that they all play within their division at the end so that I assume they either enter a tiebreaker scenario or win out. Right. So like you said, they're not dead yet, but they're very slim odds. And even then we don't know if completing that slim odds scenario saves Arthur Smith. So it does feel like we're getting some new coach next. Year. I remember, I believe last week, 18 to the bucks had to beat the Panthers in I think they were huge favorites. It seemed like they couldn't lose, and then they did almost lose. <laughs> but I, I don't see a repeat of that coming. The Panthers, we'll get to later, scored zero points. Uh, the Chicago Bears, just really quick, third time in four weeks that Justin Fields found the end zone, both as a rusher and a passer Thanks. in the same game. But, but Fields, like, is there really any debate here? Are they, is there any actual chance they bring him back? Because well, we know he's going to be starting and should be starting in the NFL next year. But can the Bears possibly pass up this opportunity at number one overall? What is like your gut feel on Justin Fields for 2024? My gut feel is they go with a, a quarterback at number one overall. Like you said, the, these are opportunities to completely upend your franchise for the better. I don't know if Matt, Matt Everflee is another one where the, the writing seems on the wall for him, and it would coincide with a, like a quarterback change as well. It would help to get both of them in at the ground floor. So I, I don't think they stick with him. Do I think that's right? I don't actually know because he has played really well. I think the one big factor that uh, like the general manager and not so much the fantasy-inclined person will look at is that Justin Fields' contract will be coming up. In, they'll pick up his 
if they wanted to, they could pick up his fifth year. I, I believe he's in year three, right? So he is in year three. So they would pick up his fifth year, which is expensive, not crazy expensive. But then the year after that, and essentially that year, they have to commit to commit to an extension, which with the way quarterback pricing is right now, you either for the most part, there isn't a middle ground. You either are getting the next rookie or someone really cheap and punting off for a year, or you are paying a guy a lot of money in the hopes that he is the one. I don't know how comfortable I would be as a GM committing to Justin Fields as the one when either Caleb Williams or Drake may are available and will be cheap is the problem. They'll be so much cheaper. That probably is the X factor. You're absolutely yep. right. Cause I'd say two out of every three Sundays you watch Justin Fields and man, I don't really know how the bears can move on from this guy. But then you're like, man, I don't know how the Bears could give this guy a Daniel Jones contract either. He's yeah. Not- I mean, I could I could see them. He to me, he'd be more deserving of a Daniel Jones contract than a Daniel Jones contract. He would be a great Ryan Tannehill like project for a team to take on. And I think he, if he can stay healthy, probably has more staying power in the NFL than Ryan Tannehill. If someone can pair him with a good offensive mind and good talent around him, as we're seeing right now, he definitely has the talent around him. I think they can make him like a salvage project. And it probably won't take a ton to acquire him, given that like we know the direction. If they're trading fields, you have no leverage. You have to get rid of him, essentially. By the way, isn't I think the vibe is that Everflus is back, right? Isn't that oh, is- like, the Sunday? I think the Sunday reports are that he's back because um, he's doing. He is doing a really good job on defense. They apparently have not lost at home since October fourteenth. Uh, so you can only hope to contain Matt Everflus, Kyle. <laughs> this is really where this is. But yeah, you made a really interesting point with the contract. That is going to be the deciding factor uh, for Mr. Justin. I, I don't know. I would say there's probably a t- 22% chance he's back. But it, it's a, I, I don't envy. It's an impossible decision. I could see some people saying, man, there's no way you can move on from Justin Fields. I could see other people saying, like, man, come on, give me a break. Like, he's shown some good stuff, but there's no way you can pass up a quarterback at number one. But I do think it is a genuinely difficult decision it's also a genuinely difficult decision to take this quick break we'll be right back after this the pga tour season tees off in hawaii this week as golf's biggest stars hit the links in lahaina it's the century and you can watch thursday through sunday on nbc golf channel and peacock kyle are you gonna be doing golf dfs already yeah yeah i already have some i already have some tickets for it so i'll be watching on so peacock for our, for our brothers of the golf network and peacock you're gonna be uh give, giving some eyeballs to that tra- i know my dad will be he always texts me about the hawaii tournament like i'm <laughs> like man how is the pga already going and uh, you guys are apparently legion though and you absolutely love this stuff uh i absolutely love uh no i didn't love this uh, the colts beating the raiders 23 to 20 i had no feelings about this this was kind of one of the sleepier ones of the early afternoon slate, it was close. I don't think it was quite as close as the final score. Didn't the Raiders get a late score? Raiders did. I, I saw that Devontae Adams, I, I turned, I was like, oh, how'd Devontae Adams do? I had him written up for something or other. Uh, and on DraftKings, at least, a 40 ball, because he got a second touchdown, which I assume is kind of a long one. So, indeed, I would assume he was their final touchdown. You were right about uh, Everflus, though. I, I did some digging. It looks like he'll stick, especially with a win, since the reporting of him likely coming back. So, yeah, Devontae Adams' late touchdown brings it to a close game. Had an eye on this game for a while. It didn't feel that close given the, I mean, I think just when you have Aiden O'Connell under center, it feels like a 23 point lead is a tough one. Although, you know, we watched him drop 60 some odd points against the Chargers. So Aiden O'Connell contains multitudes. He does. He does. He scored 63. Uh, he contains multitudes. Yeah. Two weeks ago, he threw for 61 or 63 yards. I forget which one it was against the Chiefs in a win, Christ- by the Christmas way. Christmas Day. Christmas Day. Yeah. Uh, Kyle opened that one. Christmas morning. I mean, uh, one takeaway here, 
Zach Moss was injured, but they did finally go to Jonathan Taylor in closeout mode. You and I are always obsessing over stupid stuff like the hundred yard bonus. <laughs> and like John Taylor was always guaranteed not to get the hundred yard bonus because they never ever go to him in closeout mode. They did finally go into him. He still only got 106, excuse me, 104 total yards. But they are featuring John Taylor. What's this? Do you know the lay of the land in the AFC South? And I actually do. I can pull it up here right now. The Colts have a fi- only a 51% chance of making the playoffs. All three are nine and seven. The Jags, Colts, and Texans. Look for the Jags. are the heavy favorite. Yes, Jags get in with a win next week. There, there are probably scenarios in which they can get in with like losses as well. They're also, it's probably also that the Jags have all of them, I think, have wild card outs, but I think all three teams are live with different scenarios to get to the uh, AFC South title. Maybe it's possible that like the Texans got knocked out, but I know the Jags are a win and you're in scenario next week, which sucks because they still may not have Trevor Lawrence. They may not. Any notable injuries from this game? Um, or are we I don't pretty see clean with. Uh, boy, Denny Carter was very upset about Michael Pittman, by the way, having only five catches, 46 yards. He told us to check out his blurb. I actually have not done so yet, but maybe. I, so. so my assumption here is that uh, he was not in on Michael Pittman in the summer. Michael Pittman has crushed this year. He's had just a phenomenal year going into free agency. He, uh, you know, I don't know every free agent, but man, he was going to make a lot of money off of this season. And I assume like he was in on him this week and got burned. Yeah, I would have to. Well, Denny, he's had a very tortured relationship with Michael Pittman. He was all the way in. Then he was all the way out. Then I think he wanted it to appear. He was all the way in the whole time. No, he always admits that he was out. Yeah. But he, he's had a very, very tortured relationship with Michael Pittman. Um, but yeah, most people didn't. He was the money printer all year. So it was a shame to see him get injured late and have only five catches today. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Uh, but we move on. We move on to the Rams beating the Giants 26 to 25. Tyrod Taylor, again, they begged him to not be better than Daniel Jones. And of course, he was just once again better than Daniel Jones, had a way better game than the poor Dimesman could ever have. The Rams, I saw you post, kind of went back to the Matthew Stafford 300 empty yards, only one touchdown, multiple turnovers. They do get the win, though. Puka gets five for 118. Cooper Cup only has four for 27, but one of them did end up a touchdown. Uh, any notable takeaways off the top of your head from the Rams 26 to 25 victory? Yeah. I mean, the, the turnover is not the best for Matthew Stafford, like a few, a few misplaced balls for him. There was an early throw, I think a fourth down attempt uh, to Puka Nakua that was just short Puka or just low Puka couldn't come up with it. Then a throw behind maybe it's Marcus Robinson for an interception. But as far as like, you know, he still was a pretty solid performance and most importantly, outside of the turnovers, 
he got points on the board when I say it was it was back to like week 10 or, you know, probably even like week seven or so Stafford where he throws for a bunch of yards and doesn't score at all. And he's a screaming regression candidate in, in Denny's regression files. That's more so what I meant in the sense of they scored a bunch of points and they all went to Kyron Williams. I mean, he got three touchdowns in this game. So did you know that the Rams, I did not know this until just now they have officially clinched a playoff spot. Um, I didn't know this was a clinch for them. It was a clinch, and they're playing the 49ers in Week 18 who have already clinched the number one. Kyle Shanahan seems like the kind of guy who might get his dudes some run next Sunday just to keep them fresh. I CMC see, is I see what happened. They needed a, like a different outcome in a different game paired with their win. Uh, the Seahawks lost? They did. They <laughs> Excuse did. me? That's what they needed. I was double-checking. They needed a win, and the Seahawks lost to clinch a playoff spot because those two teams like vying for a wild card, I think. So uh, it was those two things. They didn't clinch during their win. They clinched a few hours later. Sorry if you don't know the answer to this, but can the Rams, are they already locked into their seed, or can they improve? They're probably seed? not entirely locked into their seed, but the bottom seed's I mean, teams play for them. They're locked into a road game in the wild card. They're, exactly. They're they're locked into a road game. And because the seeds always reshuffle, like you need a bunch of upsets to be a wild card team and find your way into a, oh, we were the six seed. So home field matters for us. Like yeah. you need to make it versus the seven seed all the way to the NFC championship game for that to matter. So it's, I guess, you know, you can play worse teams too. By say, so where I was going with that, is that Rams 49ers could be like a big fantasy, like nothing burger in week 18, where it might, might be totally unusable in DFS. Um, if you're for some reason going, still going and redraft, you might not be able to trust any Rams. I thought you meant going like in person. No, no. Yeah, that too. Uh, but uh, there, there, there might not be a whole lot going on from a, from a gaming perspective in week 18 and Rams 49ers. That's going to be, Interesting one to follow. This week. Uh, Giants, I mean, there was two 80-yard catches in this game, by the way. One right. from Darius Slayton. It's hard to have takeaways from the Giants. It's a different quarterback every week. This receiver core is not going to be their going forward receiver core. Mm-hmm. The backfield, we don't even know if Saquon Barkley will be back next year. There's such a revolving door with these pass catchers. Um, we're, uh, just, we're, we're, the Giants, we're in off-season mode. We're, we're just waiting to see who's going to be on this team next year. That is correct because, I mean, they're stuck with Daniel Jones, essentially. I know his contract isn't as bad going forward in the sense of like, he's not locked up quite as long-term as permanent as someone like Deshaun Watson is, but I'm pretty sure they're stuck with them next year. Darren Waller could be cut. They can save some money by cutting him. I want to say Darius Slayton's probably a free agent given that they literally never want him to be on the team and he's always the best receiver. <laughs> so I'd assume he's a free agent and Jalen Hyatt not doing a whole lot. I think he's coming into this game off back-to-back zeros, if I remember correctly. And he got on the board in this game, but I do think, the way he's being used right now is is truly the depths of role player stuff in that every route and every target he gets is like almost literally, and I, I don't mean that in the way Zoomers use it. He does have like a 20 plus eight on, on the air is almost literally 20 yards downfield. Maybe it's climbed below 20 recently, but point being, he just does one thing right now. He did a bit more than that in college, but I do think they just are still way behind the eight ball in terms of pass catching talent. Man, it's yeah, it's gonna be a hinge point season for the. It's a real tough year for Brian Dable next year because there is no way, there's no way that Daniel Jones isn't on the roster. Maybe they could make the really tough decision to make him the highest paid backup in NFL history, but that's probably not gonna happen. Probably not. I mean, he could be you know benched at some point during the season. That could definitely happen. But we someone one. could fall into their lap maybe in round one. I think it's supposedly finally a deeper quarterback yeah, sure. class, but almost no way. That he's not not just the he's gonna be on the roster no matter what, and almost no way he's not the week one starter. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I have one one question for you on the other side of this game. Uh, Kyron, three TDs. He's going to have one of like the better points per game rookie seasons the past like 15 to 20 years for a running back. He's just been that good. Well, remember, he's not a rookie. He's not a rookie. Oh, it's true. Uh, oh, sorry. I was a uh, first or second year player. I pulled that up. He was he's like one of the best of the past 20 years for a first or second year player. Maybe the best. He may end up being the best for a day three pick. And he's 23 years old, if I remember correctly. Uh, he where is 23. You, you play in some dynasty leagues. Where are you taking this guy? Because like, if you just tell me a 23-year-old running back in his second season is posting like legendary seasons, like 20-plus PPR point-per-game seasons or season one, you would say, oh, that guy's a top three guy. But obviously, we know McVay's history with running backs, and now they have draft capital to blow on running backs too. And we know that like Stafford could be gone in a year. McVay is toyed with retirement. There's so many moving pieces, but the right here and now is a party. It is crazy. I know that Pat Corain would not trade him to me. I tried to acquire Kyron Williams sort of half-heartedly. I didn't really make him like a serious offer, but he he would not trade him. Uh, You mentioned that McVay's history with running backs where he falls in and out of love very quickly. Uh, We also have Kyron Williams' injury history. Somewhat concerning. He's not a big guy. Like Gurley was, of course, meant to handle that kind of load when we saw him last for the Rams. Uh, Kyron not like quote meant to in his size. Yeah, he's five nine under two hundred at least listed. He's second in the league in rushing, but I believe he's only he missed like two or three games. He missed which, four because he was on IR and he missed them in. Which of course speaks to how explosive he's been. Uh, but the McVay history and his injury history does have me temper expectations. But of course, you are extremely excited about him in Dynasty, and I, I feel like there will be like m- maybe a movement like Kyron Williams, someone you got to sell high on. Or I, I wouldn't mind buying high on Kyron Williams if someone's trying to offload him because I, I don't think he'll I don't think he'll ever he won't go for like his like blue book value let's say that in trades That's, yeah yeah there's I gonna be so. skepticism of him so you might be able to still get a discount on Kyron Williams in dynasty leagues the Eagles losing to the Arizona Cardinals their misery just deepens they barely beat the Giants on Christmas Day had a bunch of horrible losses they're no longer in the running for the number one seed in the NFC. They're almost certainly not going to win the NFC East because all the Cowboys have to do is beat the Commanders in Week 18. And just a team without an identity. They couldn't establish it against the Cardinals. DeAndre Swift, we thought, might see 20-plus carries. Said he had 13. It was his fewest in three games. Uh, Jalen Hurts in an okay first half, but really didn't do anything after the break. Uh, Most random two-touchdown pop-up game ever from Julio Jones. <laughs> uh, I just don't even really know what to say, but the James Conner running wild again, receiving touchdown, rushing touchdown. Kyler Murray, I did not rank him as a streamer. I just didn't think he could. I thought he'd been struggling too much. He's missing Marquise Brown. It, he didn't necessarily have a spiked week against the Eagles, but he had his first three touchdown performance of the entire season. Uh, just a really, really bizarre game. And uh, what are you wondering about this game, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, on the Eagles side, I believe they are locked into the five seed because they're going to end with 11 or 12 wins. Like the Browns, right? They can't topple the team. I believe they can still. They can still. They can still technically. It's it's just specifically that Dallas needs to beat the Commanders and they also need to beat the Giants. I'm just kind of writing off the Dallas Commanders thing, to be fair. It's going to be 56 to 17. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they can, but most likely they are locked into the five seed. I don't think they can move lower either because they have so many wins and just play in the same division as Dallas. So. They're not, I don't think they're like literally going to play. Oh, well, they're, they're playing to win and they'll probably be watching the scoreboard and pulling their starters, assuming they beat the Giants. But I would have said a similar thing about them this week. Ah, they're going to route the Cardinals. They're not even going to play the fourth quarter and they lose. Like, where is this team at in terms of like 
their offense got 31 points against the Cardinals. But that's a lot of points. And, you know, Jalen Hurts, a lot of touchdowns, not a lot of yards. Like, how how live are they still to make the Super Bowl runs? It feels like every week something goes wrong for them for like a month and a half in a row. Sometimes they put up points, and that's not the issue. Sometimes their offense can't get things going. They can't establish the run. They like have the bad turnovers weeks sometimes. Like, can they even put it all together at this point as the season is, is functionally over? I doubt, yeah, they're not very live at this point. I do think they might just rest everyone in week 17 or 18. Devontae Smith got injured today. We don't know how serious that is. He was in a walking boot and on crutches leaving the state. Jalen Hurts has been battling this knee issue like yeah. two or three months. A.J. Brown, he's not Steph Diggsing, but he has 397 scoreless yards over his past five games. I could see them just basically treating next week as an exhibition and giving themselves a bye heading into the wild card round. Because like you said, they're playing in the wild card round regardless. They already know that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they're scoreboard watching. I think their starters are going to play. But I do agree, like, if Devonta's like, banged up, they're probably not playing him. I mean, you know, I don't know how coaches exactly feel about this. You look, but to me, you look at the Giants, they're going to be massive favorites against Tyrod Taylor. I really, I think they might go full rest mode because the only way they're going to make a Super Bowl run is scoring 40 points a game. The defense can't be fixed. Yeah, I think uh, with, with the opportunity to flip the two to the five seed, though, and give yourself home field advantage for two games, uh, they're going to play their starters for maybe only a half, though. I, I guess really you're right, but I mean, they have to be like, I mean, they oh, I mean, any, I know the fight in Ron Rivera's are not beating the Cowboys. hundred percent. Any sort of, uh, you know, I say health conscious as, as like we say that as meaning like you shouldn't eat oils or whatever. Any coach conscious of his players' health heading into the playoffs will have one and three quarters eyes on the scoreboard, you know, watching the commanders score and Cowboys score, obviously. And I do think that like there are risks to play three quarters. Very quickly. I mean, everyone's talking about will Justin Fields be back with the Bears next year. And some people are talking about Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. It's it's more of a subplot, though, than Justin Fields is because Kyler Murray will probably be back for the Cardinals, but are we completely convinced he'll be back for the Cardinals next year? Not 100%, but close. I believe his contract's pretty hard to offload to another team as well, and, and that team's probably taking on some money to take a quarterback who, when one team doesn't want their quarterback, yeah. tells you a lot about said quarterback. So I'd put it like... 85 to 90 percent he's back there are scenarios in which like they view them like you know one of they have the two pick if i remember correctly one of drake mayor caleb williams are going to make it to them especially if it's the quarterback that they really want when that player presents himself it's hard to shy away from it but kyler's contract and his past history of being having really high highs make it very difficult financially and like logically to move on the biggest face plant of week 17 was probably the Bucks, who were getting shut out for a while by the Saints. They go on to lose 23 to 13. Very frustrating, sad kind of storyline because Baker Mayfield had avoided these kind of games this year. And it just yeah, it was not a good game for the Bucks. Um, the worst performance, he still had 300 yards, but he had two interceptions. Uh, the Bucks lost two fumbles. Just a real face plant type of game. Mike Evans didn't get home, three catches for 70 scoreless yards. Chris Godwin, he only three catches. He did have 81 yards and a touchdown. I don't even know. I mean, who do we even want to win this? Do we want? Do we want the Saints or the Bucks to win the NFC South? Let's start there. <laughs> I want the Bucks to win. I've I've very much enjoyed the Baker comeback narrative because he's had like a bit of a tumultuous career, but I don't think like like you know he's like 
seems like a decent guy. seems like players really rally around him. And he's put in a lot of bad spots throughout his career. So I don't like have any desire to see him fail. Uh, I also was like in Northeast Ohio and he was the quarterback for the fun years. So, you know, a little bit of a soft spot for him. But I do think like he deserves a shot and he's getting it and he's been mostly succeeding with it. Sucks to see him fumble the bag at the finish line. Also, when I say fumble the bag, he's in line for a very solid like mid-range contract sort of geno smith adjacent i think probably a little less than geno smith if things go well at the end of the year they're not going well at the end of the year right now i they're a win a win and you're in team next week so so are they i was gonna ask you are they officially winning in yep they're uh, winning you're in team next week uh anything i say here is not legally binding because i probably just read it on twitter somewhere but i am fairly confident when i, I have just double checked it is indeed winning in they just have to beat the panthers so I, I thought maybe if the Saints also won weird tiebreaker stuff would come in. Uh, Saints, uh, Bucks, all you got to do is beat the Panthers. Uh, <laughs> uh, please do not mission or, uh, challenge accept this one. I know. You, you just got to beat the Panthers. I mean, the Saints, uh, I don't know, man. Alvin Kamara was hurt in this game. Uh, a big week 18 DFS subplot. I mean, this, the Saints have to win. So Alvin Kamara will probably be pushing to play in week 18. Um, but that's that seems like the big storyline here with the New Orleans Saints, Kyle. Yeah, Jamal Williams saw most of the work. Uh, I don't. I think Kendra Willer, Kendra Miller, uh, either was like healthy scratch or he's just, still on the team. Yeah, he's still on the team. But I believe joking. He is still on the team. I believe but. Dennis Allen talked about him. Uh, he's coming back from an injury. He's been banged up for weeks. And Dennis Allen, actually, I think I remember the quote it was like Dennis Allen was saying, uh, "Yeah, he should be healthy enough to play. Is he a part of the game plan?" Who knows? Which is not something as a rookie you want to hear your no. coach saying. Uh, I don't know if he was active or not, but he did not see a uh, carry. Doesn't look like he saw a catch either. So probably see a lot of Jamal Williams. We also did this at the beginning of the year, if you remember. And Jamal Williams saw all of the work, got carries at the goal line, and disappointed us every single time. My generation's Zach Moss. The kids nowadays, <laughs> call, or the, you know, the kids nowadays, they only remember Zach Moss. But before Zach Moss, we had Jamal Williams. Will I fall into the trap again? Yes. They, they, uh, the fish. Uh, will he be a fish player or non-fish play? I don't know. He might be. No, see, I don't. I don't know if people will go back to the well in the same way that they did with Zach Moss because we got punished and punished and punished and never rewarded. Whereas, like, there were good games for Zach Moss. Like midway through the season, he was like top ten in rushing yards or something. So, uh, I don't think the the I don't think the mainstream will play him. And I'm, I'm I might do I might dabble in something as disgusting. I'm going to need you to help me build some lineups, by the way, next Sunday, because um, we're running out of stuff to care about. <laughs> I'm going to need. You've got a family. You've got a bunch of kids. I do, but I believe I'm. They, they, they care. Daddy has been working a lot during the holidays. Um, I will say that. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. 
Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. One of the most surprising results of Sunday, which you didn't even know when we started the show, the Pittsburgh Steelers yep. beating the Seattle Seahawks. 30 to 23. I believe this knocks the Seattle Seahawks out of the playoffs. Indeed, on a 31% chance still. So this year's so weird. Yeah, there are a bunch of teams on both sides just lumped up at eight to nine wins. And it's like you can tell the opposite is sort of true when we have a bunch of teams that are like, you know, the Browns, Ravens, Eagles, and whoever else, Cowboys are like, we both have a trillion wins and one of us has already locked it up. So, like, they're probably going to beat the, the Cardinals. I know that the Eagles thought the same thing. Yeah. Uh, the Seahawks do have the Cardinals in Week 18. But this this team, we understood why they ran it back with Geno Smith. But everyone knew in real time that was probably a career, not just a career career year for Geno Smith, but probably an outlier campaign for Geno Smith that has proven to be true. It's a well-coached team. Um, it's an interesting team. They're in every game. But it's a flawed team, not really one we need to see in the playoffs, I'll be honest, with the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, when you look at their opponent, the Steelers, I also don't want to see Mason Rudolph in the playoffs. No. Uh, like, Is he even clearly their best quarterback? Question also, more? almost certainly. I, like, I, I know he didn't score in this game, but you know, like I said with Lamar earlier, I, I mostly care that you can move the ball, and as long as you have someone who can finish drives, which they do, they have two running backs who, like Najee, played pretty well this year, better than I expected, and Jalen Warren's just incredibly elite. So he moved the ball, and he didn't turn the ball over. I think he's probably the like you cannot say that about the other two quarterbacks on the team. No. He moved the ball, he didn't turn the ball over. Perfect. Do that again. Uh, so yeah, I, I honestly think he probably starts next week. They are not locked in the playoffs yet, as far as I know. They're a bunch of they're a bunch of eight and nine win teams in the AFC. So assuming they win again, he will be the starter once again. Like you're not going to bench him on a what like three. They have only a twenty percent chance of making the playoffs, even though they probably need some help. Then would would be my guess. But assuming he keeps winning, like they will keep playing him. It's going to be it's going to be Mason Rudolph again. And the, the big Mason Rudolph takeaway, other than playing the cleanest quarterback that we've seen from the Steelers this year, is the 326 yards in two games for George Pickens. With Mason Rudolph under center, just uh, he has been unlocked. I don't really know. There's no other way to like describe what has happened. Like 11 catches, 326 yards, two touchdowns. We know he's a boomer bust player, but he should have been booming way more often than he had been. And man, he's going to be. He he was a fascinating offseason debate in Dynasty last year. The George Pickens discourse, I feel like, is going to supernova this offseason. It's just like, what do you do with this guy who's clearly very environment sensitive? And we just don't know really how much better the environment will be in 2024 for the Steelers. I mean, the assumption is uh, if they can make it work, the problem, this is the problem with having Mike Tomlin is he's so good. You can have uh, Kenny Pickett, not good. He doesn't play Mitch Trubisky, very not good. We go to Mason Rudolph. It turns out Mason Rudolph protects the ball a little bit. He he chucks up someone's George Pickens and you're looking at a a potentially a 10 win season. They do one more to get to 10. They just cannot bottom out for better or often for worse in that they're never going to get they're never going to have an obvious elite quarterback. Obviously, elite quarterbacks come at any point in the draft. They more so come from the top of the draft, though. And this team is to this is too well coached and has too much talent on the defensive side of the ball to ever bottom out. So I, I was going to say they feel like they have to move on from Kenny Pickett next year, but the opportunity may not even present itself. I will note, I believe this game gives George Pickens more career 100 yard games than Deontay Johnson. Mm-hmm. I like 
Yep, I swear to God, it's true because I'm pretty sure they were tied last week at like five or six apiece, if I remember correctly. And you know, I was a George Pickens skeptic coming into the season for 99% of it. I felt very vindicated, but I do think like he provides this team with like such an element of like explosive outside ability that it's very apparent that they need that and do not have a quarterback who can enable it until apparently Mason Rudolph steps up. And I I think maybe I undersold him a little bit, seeing that it just takes okay quarterback play to get something out of him. I don't think we're getting 100 yards every week. But I would have said I would have said this was impossible, and he's proved me wrong. Yeah, we knew the dynasty debate on George Pickens was well. He doesn't command targets. It's a bad sign when you don't command yep. targets as a rookie. But it probably was just as simple as he doesn't command targets from a very conservative Kenny Pickett, who has trouble delivering the ball to the areas where George Pickens thrives. With not that he never passed to George Pickens, but they their their connection regressed this year. And the final note on the Steelers: there was that weird chatter that Mike Tomlin could get traded. Because like you say, it's way too good to be fired. It could be a situation where maybe just both sides want a change of scenery. But we, we got a lot of annual trade rumors with guys like Sean Payton, who was eventually traded. Yeah, yeah. But he was fired. the first one since like the mid-aughts or something like the yeah, 04. Yeah. It happened. I think it used to happen every once in a while with John Harbaugh. Um, <laughs> every, once, sure. every once in a while? Did it happen to him multiple times? No, nah, probably not. But Mike Tomlin will probably be back with the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2024. And we will certainly be back right after this. Start the new year off right with Big Ten basketball. Purdue and Maryland will tip off nonstop action on Peacock this winter on Tuesday night. Catch the conference battle live at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. And don't forget, find all your favorite NBC Sports shows and Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. Do you follow Big Ten hoops at all, by the way? You, you're a secret Buckeye. Kyle's not a secret Buckeye. He attends Ohio State. <laughs> he tries to keep it on the down low, though. Yeah, I have my uh, I have my degree on my desk because I don't know what to do with it. Like, is it legal to throw it away? <laughs> no, know. it's not. And not in Ohio. It's not. There's too well, much. I don't live in Ohio anymore, but I guess it's I couldn't true. go back for that reason. There's you know? too too much the Ohio State pride, which, by the way. Shut up. I don't want to hear <laughs> Mizzou, thanks you for. Yeah, congrats. You beat, you beat all of our backups. Those <laughs> kids are 18 years old and you're victory laughing. <laughs> So, hey, Mizzou is missing their two best defensive players. No one wants to talk about that. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's really impressive. They, uh, you know, they only have the 2025's wide receiver one overall, and we got rid of all of our good players for this game. So, la di da. I knew it was not a good sign when Ohio State's quarterback was wearing number 33. Oh, my. I, so, I didn't watch the game in all transparency. <laughs> I was, I knew all their backups were playing, and it's not a uh, semifinal. So, I, like, I don't care. I'm not watching it. I, we're spoiled. I only watch semifinal games for, uh, or the national championship for Ohio State. You said he was wearing. 33 number 33 it was bad well of course we lost i know i know know. it was come on also not great for the washington commanders they muster 10 they need a quarterback with 33 i mean they play like they have one they muster 10 points in a 27 to 10 loss to the san francisco 49ers the big takeaways here san francisco locks up the number one seed and christian mccaffrey tweaks his calf all but guarantees they're not we're not going to see starters from the san francisco 49ers in week 18 correct kyle yeah, they are 100% locked up the number one seed. The Eagles could have gotten like within striking distance with a win. Somehow the Cardinals beat them. So uh, 49ers, they, uh, they come away with the win and the one seed at 100%. Debo entered this game with a neck issue. Obviously, CMC leaves with a calf issue. All of their backup running backs are never healthy for some reason. Elijah Mitchell, I don't want to say he's injury prone. He's just had a lot of injuries and they seem to keep recurring. Do with that information what you will. I avoided saying that. <laughs> but then Jordan Mason was, I think, just an illness or something for this game, but also was dinged up. So, like, their depth is hurt. Their top-end stars are banged up. 
maybe they go out and play a quarter. Like, you know, sometimes we see that coaches like, yeah, this is a good opportunity to get. I could see that Kyle Shanahan does seem like a, we got to stay sharp type of coach. Yeah. Get get a few drives in uh, just like getting reps in versus a live team has its value, but playing four quarters against another team when you have nothing to play for does not have a ton of value. So, I mean, my my over-under is a quarter and a half for these guys. It's just a really weird game too, where like I said, appears the Rams won't really have anything to play for. Like this is going to be like that is weird too. Yeah. Cause the Rams uh, are not of the caliber of the 49ers. No. Typically those teams have something to play for. And like I said, they, they probably have seating shuffling where they could move. I don't know if it's as high as it's probably, it's actually not as high as five. Cause the Eagles, I believe have roughly, yeah, man, yeah, but it's, it's literally, six, so it's literally just six, seven then, right? There are yeah. seven teams. So and they've been kind of banged up, but Cooper cups and bang Puka Nakua's played through several injuries. He vomited a bunch in this game. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I forgot to mention that, but on his, I assume it was after his 80 yard carry is the, the broadcast like, yeah, he was vomiting a lot on the sidelines. Back to you, oh Jim. Thank you for telling me that. Kyron Williams has handled so many touches. I cannot see either team treating this like a real game in week 18 between the 49ers and the Rams. So that is the ultimate pivot off. I, it's weird too. In a real slate, you can't try to find the disgusting value, right? From like, like, you know, like Juwan Jennings is going to play every snap. Like I feel like you have to just stick with real teams that are actually trying. I mean, right? if we get if we get news that like 49ers are sitting 100%, Shanahan comes out and says like, yeah, you know, it's we're banged up, we're not going to play starters. Uh, who's there? Oh, Sam, you know, Sam Darnold starting this game. Uh, like, sure, maybe I'll dabble in some Ronnie Bell. Actually, hell, I dabble in some Sam Darnold oh whenever gosh, he plays. Yeah, him, I knew that was coming. But it's it's only in the scenario in which we know 100% Sam Darnold takes the first and the last snap, and you know the rest of the skill position players as well. There's not really anything to say on the commanders where I will say Jacoby Brissett's hamstring injury is the most iconic injury in a long time where everyone was so excited to see this one spot start and he yeah. gets injured in practice and we don't get to see it and things just go exactly as they've been going all season. Sam Howell, two interceptions, uh, no fumbles somehow, you know, only one sack against the 49ers, but the commanders just another team doesn't nothing to play for in week 18. I mean, you always play for pride, but we are waiting for the off season. We've been waiting for them to play for pride for a while because they certainly haven't been looking. That's a good pride. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, this this ends the Sam Howell tenure on this team, right? Like they're going to have a high pick. They can. Well, it doesn't end his tenure. It ends uh, his sure tenure. and his starting yeah. tenure. You know, whatever. He could. It might end even his tenure on the team, or he could be in the Minshew zone. Or he might be more valuable yeah. to someone else as like a bridge quarterback, but he could yeah. also be their bridge quarterback. Or as like the competent backup to a legitimate starter. Whereas like you don't care too much if your backup can save you a win if your young quarterback gets hurt. The point of the season is development. Whereas like the Eagles actually care to have a Gardner Minshew or a Marcus Mariota as their backup. So you're right. Maybe he does have value. He could be worth maybe like a fourth round pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. That would actually make sense for him, especially like. I don't think he has had the best coaching in his career. I do think putting him as the backup, like as the backup to Mahomes or whatever, like let him sit behind some good players and with some good coaches. And like, maybe he can clean up his mistakes and take a Baker Mayfield like trajectory, uh, you know, maybe so. Yeah. And also they're hundred percent like firing everyone on the staff and in the general management room. They are indeed doing that. And speaking of Patrick Mahomes, 25 to 17, the Chiefs, this was definitely an outlasting, required six field goals from Harrison Bucker to win this game. Believe the Chiefs locked up the division at 10 and 6. The Bengals were for sure eliminated from playoff contention. Uh, T. Higgins eliminated my best friend from fantasy contention. He needed two catches from T. Higgins to sew up his championship match. He was down by one point and uh, didn't get it, did not get the second catch. And Whoa. he is 
He's actually stopped texting. <laughs> so I think he must, I think he left his house and is like went to the movies or something. Um, he was very, very hurt by this one. Uh, I don't know. The Chiefs, Rasheed Rice, 100 yard day. Isaiah Pacheco kind of put the offense on his back. Pat Mahomes kind of put the offense on his back. He had a few critical runs, even though he had only four carries for two yards. I saw we got another iconic Marquez Valdez-Scantling drop, another iconic Chiefs wide receiver drop, this one at the hands of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. We got the report before this game that they were going to simplify the offense, and maybe we got another report that was they're going to involve some different players. Like, I get that maybe MVS still played a less prominent role, but, like, what about no snaps? Have we tried zero snaps? Have we tried zero snaps? We were looking into it very, very powerfully. Because uh, yeah, they however small they can make this rotation, this receiver rotation, it is not small enough. And Justin Watson had a good catch, a really good forty-one yard catch, and he almost dropped it, <laughs> like he bobbled it a little. And I, I know the Chiefs. I, I say the Chiefs are still Super Bowl contenders just because they have the two bedrock ingredients of any like quote surprise Super Bowl run, where they have an elite defense and they have a, a quarterback who can conjure offense out of thin air. It's been so difficult for him. This year, because he's getting um, no help from his team. But would anyone really be surprised like if Patrick Mahomes took over a divisional round game? I feel like the answer is no. But do you do you disagree with me? Do you think the Chiefs can make a surprise Super Bowl run? Yeah, it's like funny at this point that we're calling it surprise runs. This team looks in a lot of ways similar to what they did last year. We're like, oh, Juju is this team's top receiver. And you look now at what Juju's doing, you're like, that's insane that that guy was yes. their top receiver. And MVS is still the number two on this team as he was last year. Uh, Kadarius Tony is still doing those absurd things he does all the time. He's just is doing them for a full season for the most part. So like the composition of the team isn't that much different. I do think the receiver play has somehow gotten worse, but they do have a new element that they didn't have last year, which was Rasheed Rice. They also maybe have some wild cards on the back end of the roster, like Justin Ross, uh, Richie James, who supposedly seeing more work as the season comes to an end. They can do it. I think this is as bad as they've looked in a while, but we also had the stretch. It was either last year or two years ago where Mahomes, it was two years ago, I believe Mahomes was throwing interceptions, not all his fault, but some were with just an absurd, like reckless abandon, hilarious clip. Some of it was last year, actually, I believe early in the year. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Everyone knows the stretch you're talking about where like, what is wrong with Patrick Mahomes for all the talking (laughs) points? And the chiefs did officially win this division, by the way. Yeah, they did. Yeah. I'm not sure what their seed can be. Really so be. right now they are the number three seed, but because uh, the Dolphins did not lock up their seed with a win, Chiefs could maybe flip to number two because they could uh, maybe, I think maybe they could flip to number two. Actually, if the Bills beat the Dolphins, <laughs> the Bills then probably take number two. So they're probably relatively locked in. Uh, maybe they can flip one or two seeds. I'll have to look into that after this, but they're they're not getting the bye they're not even falling to like really the four seed. I don't think yeah, the Chiefs do not. Yeah. Have, the bills have the head to head tiebreaker with mm-hmm. the chiefs, um, so the chiefs, by the way, they're playing the chargers. They're going to win. <laughs> Actually, if I'll look into this after the show, we'll talk about it on Thursday, but if the bills have the, uh, the bills have the head to head tiebreaker over them, that means if they win, they probably get the two seed, but if the dolphins win, they just straight up have more wins. So, and then the chiefs have the tiebreaker over the Jags. So I don't know if there's a way they're not the three seed. I still think this could be another team where they're they're playing some snaps. Like they need to work things out. The 49ers don't actually need to work things out. No. They're doing it for reps. Like it's good to stay sharp. Chiefs need to get sharp, get sharp quickly. So Very. they could actually play a, a some meaningful amount of reps for their starters because they actually need to figure stuff out. The Bengals, by the way, I don't know if they'll be a hot DFS commodity in week 18. They play the Cleveland Browns. 
not really a good season ending matchup for Jake Browning. Can't see Jamar Chase playing. He played today just because they had to have this game. I feel like he'll get shut down with the shoulder issue. T Higgins will undoubtedly get shut down with the hamstring issue. Uh, Not going to be a good final start for Jake Browning who has acquired acquitted himself quite well is the Browns emergency, excuse me, the Bengals emergency starter, but not looking like a DFS place to go for week 18. Only Browns will be games. resting their starters that game though. I mean, if it matters at all, Browns have locked up a specifically the number five seed. And there was even a report this morning that they would consider resting some of their starters. So if that makes a difference to you, DFS sickos actually don't really. It actually makes a huge difference to me in my, in my crazy home two quarterback league. Don't I mean, tell me that league also plays in week 18. It does. And not only that, it goes through the playoffs. Um, oh, what the hell? I needed Joe Flacco for week 18. I'll keep you posted, but it doesn't look good for you. We digress. Houston Texans, 26 to three over the Tennessee Titans, who had not one, but two quarterback injuries in this game. Who finished this game at quarterback? Did Ryan Tannehill finish this game, or was it Malik Willis? Uh, Option three, Malik Willis, even the number three quarterback right now, or is he injured? No, he's the number three quarterback. He's inactive, but number three inactives can show up in the game. Uh, Ryan Tannehill through the last pass. I didn't see who took the final three handoffs, who were, I believe, to Jonathan Ward, who's kind of a practice squad, bounce around uh, the league kind of guy. But as far as uh, Tannehill played through his injury to the extent that uh, like the game mattered at all, he uh, he's, he's basically we saw him on the sideline sitting, Malik Willis warming up. Then Tannehill comes back in, takes a bunch more sacks, and then gets his. And then Yikes. the game's over. So he played through the injury to the extent that like the starters were in the game because Derrick Henry was out for that last drive as well. So this game mattered a lot for the Texans. They had to win to stay alive. They did. They had only a forty-eight percent chance of making the playoffs via the New York Times playoff simulator. But uh, it was kind of an at what cost type game. Noah Brown injured. Robert Woods injured. They're just so ridiculous. Jeremy Tunsil injured. Yeah, they're just so ridiculously banged up. In the receiver core, where of course Tank Dell has been lost for the year, and they're kind of looking like a team where as good of a story as they were this year, from like a viewing perspective, do we even want the Texans in the playoffs? I, mean, I guess maybe CJ Stroud might be worth the price of admission alone. I think that's it. But they're looking like you know, they wouldn't be a very compelling playoff team if they made it. Obviously. Yeah, I mean, the whole season, even at CJ Stroud's best, they're probably not the caliber of a Super Bowl contender, but they're a strong, like maybe they can make a run to the AFC title. When you lose, I mean, they lose receivers, maybe number one. I really like Tank Dell, and I'd love to call him the number one. But for argument's sake, we'll just say receivers number two and maybe number three and maybe number four, plus your left tackle. We don't know the statuses of all them, but there's the potential to lose all those guys. It's It will be tough sledding. I still think, like you said, CJ Stroud has been good enough this year that he could will them to at least one win in the playoffs, has to get there first. And I would love to see him get the opportunity. But I don't know. Like you said, I do think the injuries that are that are mounting really make them a, a dog to make a lot of noise in the playoffs. They could still maybe make some. They can have some say in the matter. They do have the Colts, so that we know they need the Colts to lose. <laughs> um, they beat the Colts and the Jaguars lose. I'm assuming. I guess they win the division. Um, but it's just gonna be tough the way things are set up. But also, I mean, last week 18, all the Texans had to do to get the number one pick was lose, yeah. <laughs> and then they won. This time, if they win, they might make the playoffs. Uh, this speaks to how good. CJ Stroud was how good D'Amico Ryans has been as the culture has totally changed with the Texans and reinforcements are going to be on the way. Nico Collins and Tank Dell, I bet they add someone else to that skill core too. And it's going to be a very, very exciting team in 2024 and maybe in 2023. Well, not 20. It will be technically 2024. Season 2023. <laughs> yeah, it will be 2023 and three season. Uh, the Texans, I don't know. Nothing really. Uh, the Titans. We'll just move on. Yeah, I mean – 
DeAndre Hopkins is still a really good receiver. Like I, I they don't have a lot going for this team. Even Derrick Henry's kind of acknowledged that this might be his last run. It's a shame that his last run comes on this like very flat side end, but like he's also still got juice. They've got veterans with juice, but this is a team that they don't have enough of those guys, but they don't have enough young players either. So I don't, they're in a really awkward middle ground of, of do they play for now? Do they play for future? I think that they should probably look to move some of these veterans. They should because DeAndre Hopkins is signed next year, by the way, and even has some guaranteed money. For next year, uh, no, he actually has zero guaranteed, but he would have it's kind of a complicated cap situation. DeAndre Hopkins is signed for 2024 with the Titans, so he'll be a pretty interesting player to watch this offseason. Tell you what was not interesting to watch was the Jaguars' 26 to nothing victory over the Panthers with CJ Beathard. Uh, I thought that maybe the Panthers coming off their best game of the season against the Packers last week could build some momentum against a really bad pass defense. It's a team starting one of the worst backup quarterbacks in the league. No offense to CJ Beathard. He's not a good backup quarterback. And instead, just a new, new, new low for the Panthers. Again, a literal shutout loss. 112 yards on 32 attempts for Bryce Young. Six more sacks. The running game goes nowhere. Uh, It wasn't fun on the Jaguar side, but it was really, really not fun on the Panthers side. Yeah, we talked about this on the show. We were like, is this the start of something new for Bryce Young? And the answer was maybe, but likely not. He's shown us a lot, a lot of negative in his, uh, they played 16 games. He's missed one. So what, like 13 games or whatever. He showed us a lot of negative and not a lot of positive. One very good game. He played a legitimately good game against the Packers. Didn't move the needle a ton for me because I had seen his other games. This kind of proves that, that like he needs to string together a lot of good games to really move the needle for us. And immediately following it up with this level of dud, which I believe his interception was like game ending. That was, you know, his ball game, essentially. Man, this is not uh, not what you needed to see. That's a really, really bad situation. And again, no first round pick. Um, they, David Tepper, who uh, caught pouring a drink on a fan, by the way, um, Sunday night. He needs to get out of the way. He needs to hire. He, it's the classic. He needs to hire like a Bill Parcells type football czar and like lock himself out of the decision making room. And let someone try to fix this mess because everything David, David Tepper has done has not worked. And uh, I don't know, one game level. What was the finalist Broncos game? Uh, was it 16 to 6? Uh, oh, yeah. 16 to 9. Uh, the Chargers tacked on a late field goal. Giff Smith, or Jiff Smith, however you want to say the interim uh, Chargers head coach. Really, truly nothing to take away from this game. Uh, the, the takeaway might be that it's New Year's Eve and. You're a Zoomer. You might have plans, even though you told me you don't have plans. Yeah, I don't have plans. I might watch a movie. You got There's football you got, on the night. So you got screwed by being a NFL side. There's football on NBC and Peacock that I will be watching. Uh, but yeah, I don't know anything where Alex Erickson had seven catches for 98. Why did why did this game even exist? I know we could. Oh, well, this game existed because I guess the Broncos are still, you know, at the time we're still playing for a playoff shot. I believe, like you said earlier, the Chiefs ended that run. But man, like we could have just penciled them in for the win. They were going to get knocked out anyways and not had the Chargers forced to play. We didn't need this. No, we did not need this. And by the way, uh, I'm not holding against you. It was very smart. Uh, I asked for your tight end recommendation for my single entry DFS. How many points did he get? He had four catches for 31 yards. (laughs) Gerald Everett. uh, That's eight point three fantasy points. Did he avoid the snowflake emoji with that one? That feels like it did avoid the snowflake emoji. (laughs) 
probably avoided. He's only thirty five hundred, if I remember correctly. That yeah. feels like it did. I'll check for you later because that's really a that'll be a banner hanging moment if we avoid the snowflake. Say, I tell you, who didn't avoid the snowflake was Chris Olave. Uh, that one hurt real bad. Did you have any Chris Olave? I did not. No. Yeah, that one hurt real. Wow, I, both my my single entries, by the way, uh, two twelve dollar entries on both. I won twenty five on both. Let's uh, go. Rashi Rice came through very late, folks. <laughs> um, yeah, I got snowflaked by Chris Olave. <laughs> My other snowflake was the, was the Panthers defense. <laughs> oh, no. I yeah. like the Panthers defense. Yeah, I got snowflaked by the Panthers defense. But all right, we're getting too far afield here. We're getting kind of inside baseball. Um, uh, that's pretty whirlwind recap there, Kyle. We might not have gotten everything, but we're going to get to it this week on the site. Denny and I will be back podcasting on Tuesday. Uh, the redraft fantasy season's over, but Kyle, Denny, and I are still going to preview the entire week 18 slate on Thursday. We're not entirely sure what written content we have coming for you this week, but there's going to be written content on the site from all of us, from myself, Kyle, Denny, Zach Kruger, who is back from abroad, Lawrence Jackson. So the, the redraft season's over. We're still going to be writing. We're still going to be blurbing. We're still going to be podcasting. Um, thank you so much for listening to us today. Thank you so much for listening to us all year. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2024. For Kyle Dvorak, I'm Patrick Darty. We'll be back later. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com/baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.